0: at Ezekiel underscore AR, Jack T, and Ryan S. On the program today's returning guest, Mr. Murray Hill, is with us. Murray is the Managing Director and CEO of Elevate Uranium, a Namibia and Australia-focused conventional uranium exploration and development company advancing various stage projects, including the Copies Uranium Project in the Orango Uranium District of Namibia. Elevate Uranium is listed on the Australian Securities Exchange under the symbol EL8, as well as on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol ELVUF. Murray, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Nice to be back. Absolutely. Good to talk with you again here, Murray. It's been a while. Well, how about we start off here uh, with recent news the company's raising around 10 million Australian dollars here to advance various projects. Talk about that. Talk about the plan for the funds and of course, uh, how far down the runway you think this gets you.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was a successful raise we had last week, We're well and truly oversubscribed. So the interest in uranium is, is far better than it has been for a long time and uh, we welcome that. So. I suppose the, the catalyst to go and raise was the fact that we um, last month we announced a 136% increase in the copies resource from 20 million pound to 48 million pound, and it was you know it made it very aware to us that this project is to the point where we need to start advancing it. Right. So um, for us, we have another uh, Q1 next year. We have another resource update coming out of copies, and that's in the inferred resource status. So. What we now want to do is, as soon as we finish that resource, inferred uh, third resource drilling is, can then commence the indicator drilling process. Um, and that means that we can, indicate drilling means you can announce financial metrics around studies. Uh, so that'll kick off Q2 next year. And then, uh, and this money's enabled us to go and do that. And then uh, commence a metallurgical test work program, uh, running in parallel with the uh, drill program, uh, and then moving into a scoping study. And ultimately um, what, comes out of the middle of the test work program will feed into a pilot branch. So what we're aiming to do is bring copies up to a um, a status that we can do studies on it and also advance it so that we can prove our upgrade process on it. So we believe proving upgrade will take us to the to another level, um, but other work we had planned uh, was uh, drilling it, so Capri and about both of those are large mineralized envelopes, somewhere in the order of 16 kilometers long each. And we want to bring those up into a resource status so taking that from a sort of exploration through the resource but also some of the lessons we've learned geologically from copies three in particular we want to go and apply those to capri and here we believe there's potential to increase the um, the mineralized area I suppose you'd call it so more dis- more discoveries um, in a slightly different uh, geological environment but marginally different so both of those projects exploration and resource update and then of course that's three of the 12 tenements we've got in Namibia so you know, we need to be going exploring and working on the others. So, you know, with three weeks running now, and that's what we've got at Copies, um, that meant we could do here a bit in Capri and you know, resource, sorry, um, exploration drilling, but raising money means now that we can go and do, get really Copies moving forward. So that was why we went out, but also uh, our Australian assets, uh, the Angela project uh, just south of Alice Springs. It's a 31 million pound resource at 1300 PPM. So very good grade. What we've got there is an inferred resource. Uh, we did a, um, a, a did a seismic survey late last year, earlier this year, that showed that we could identify the mineralised lens because it's a sandstone hosted deposit dipping at nine degrees and the seismic survey identified another lens beneath it. It's never been drilled. So we want to go and drill that. Is it mineralised? don't know. The only way to find out is go and drill it. So. Um, and then the uh, Minerva project, north of Alice Springs. That project was discovered in 1978, hasn't been drilled since 1978, and it's got 10 holes with grades in excess of 10,000 ppm. So we're gonna go and put some holes into that, understand the structure to then work out how to explore it better. So the use of funds um, is going to good, good use. Um, and it really depends on when we kick in each of these rigs because uh, we're gonna need two more rigs in Namibia um, and, uh, and you know a rig in, in Australia doing that project as to how long that money thing's going to last. So um, we haven't uh, sat down because it was only fresh on Thursday afternoon and we closed the book. So uh, it's now Monday our time. So we haven't sat down and worked out exactly how long it's going to go, but obviously it's going to take us through next year.
0: With that, uh, so we've got increasing the confidence level there at copies. Size is increasing substantially. Um, And I want to come back and talk a little bit more about your expectations there and some of the plans upcoming with the scoping study. Given that we talked about the financing, you know, pro forma the capital race here, Murray, cover off the capital structure in terms of shares outstanding, uh, the total cash that will be on hand, and of course major shareholders, including yourself.
1: Yeah, so we've got uh, we'll have
0: 17.1 million cash on hand
1: um, as once this raising is complete. Um, our substantial shareholders, you know, at the moment we've got uh, the ETFs um, in there. Um, There's a few that come in, but they won't. They'll still be the substantial shareholders. So we're issuing roughly 24 million shares, uh, I think it is, and they'll add to the current 284 million. So you know that puts us at 308, if my maths is correct. Um, So 309, somewhere around there, um, million shares. So still not a large number of shares on issue. I uh, recently invested 612 thousand Australian dollars into the company. Had some options that were expiring December the first. And um uh we could I could have gone cashless, which means that I would have had less options exercised to shares by not putting cash into the company. And I've just looked at this and gone, well, if I'm gonna talk the talk and tell people how good the company is, I've got to walk the walk. So I put you know, six hundred and twelve thousand of my money straight into the company, um, which funds drilling for a month, um, which is fantastic. But uh, you know, it just demonstrates my commitment to what we're doing. Uh, as a company, and uh, what we expect to happen in the future. So, the management part of the raise had 5.1% uh, of uh, the stock on issue, uh, and my individual holding was in excess of 3%. So, I've got a fair bit of skin in the game, uh, and uh, as I say, you know, it's 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 just, just it's it's really supporting what the company doing. And I think if the managing directors putting money in, that's a very very good sign for investors uh, in the company.
0: Appreciate you writing checks. So that's always a great thing to, to see and have uh, the, the MD and CEO do. And also just the fact that there's a lot left in this company in terms of runway, just with the, the sheer amount of projects, not just discussing Namibia, but also in Australia here as well. Okay. Scoping study at the copies project. Let's talk about how you get to that scoping study, when that starts off, when you expect to see that done. And let's just cover out for the audience a couple of years forward here in terms of how you see the project schedule on timing for the scoping study, then a progress, perhaps right to definitive or maybe pre-feasibility or or feasibility study, what have you, permitting, and then also construction, because that's gonna take us a couple of years at a minimum here. Just talk about how you envision this.
1: So the drilling to go from uh, inferred to indicated is about 12 months drilling with two drill rigs. So there's a large number of holes to drill. and the metallurgical test work program by the time we dig test pits in Namibia collect samples send them to Perth in Australia uh, and then get the metallurgical test work done that's about the same duration roughly 12 months so you're probably not going to commence the study um, and I, I called it a scoping study is it going to be a scoping study is it pre-feasibility what is it exactly called but um, we call it a scoping study at this point in time That'll that'll commence maybe sort of three months before the end of the metallurgical test work and before the end of of, uh, the drilling program. So let's say, you know, we start Q2 next year. So 12 months of drilling starts through the end of Q2, sorry, the start of Q2 the following year. Uh, So probably starting uh, the study, the start of 2025 or the end of 2024, right? And that study is probably because there's so much to, Andrew, this is a sort of a unique prog- project in the fact that we have got so many options available as to how we develop it. And, and I'll, I'll sort of explain that by, so the upgrade process is a process we developed in-house. It, it reduces the uh, cost both capital and, and uh, operating by 50%. And the reason it reduces the cost is because it rejects gang minerals all the way through the process. So each stage is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So eventually, when you get to the final concentrate stage out of upgrade, you're dealing with less than 5% of the mass in that concentrate. So now you can do whatever you like with that. You can leach it on site and uh, refine it to yellow cake, or you can take that concentrate off site to a third party and leach it and refine it. So, or intermediate products. So for instance, you decide, well, I'm going to leach it on site and then I'm going to take a solution to the third party or, you know, take a resin or whatever it might be. So we have to work out within this study, what's the best option for this project. So, um, and the other, the other, I suppose, the value of upgrade is not only gives us the opportunity to take the concentrate off site, but it gives us an opportunity to take one of our other projects concentrates into copies. So whilst we're, whilst we're doing, you know, leading into this study and we've got a rig on Capri and Herobib and they're drilling and we're finding we've got, you know, resources there that, uh, to, to those resources coming to, to the copies project, because really when you've got less than 5% of the mass, it brings the projects really close together. So we're, um, this study is going to have a lot of options as we're going to have to work through it. So I think the duration of the study will probably be a bit longer than if it was copies, boom, producing yellow cake, and that's the only option. So. If that, if that makes sense to you then. So, so probably six months of study to understand all these options available. And Namibia is a great place in the fact that we've got, say for instance, a Rossing uranium uh, Project been operating on a continuous basis since 1976. So there's 47 years of operating there, right? and they've got excess capacity in the refinery. So that means we've straight away got an option for us. Who said have got excess capacity in the refinery because they're not producing uh, their nameplate? So there's options for us immediately uh, for, and it, and because we will be talking, if we're talking to them, we've got a leg to stand on because we've got, you know, our option is to go and produce yellow cake ourselves. So it's not, we're not forced down a third party leaching path. It's just an option for us. So let's say that's a six month study. Then we go, right, this looks very good. Let's go. Uh, and then of course we then start to move into a pilot plant and advanced studies. Now you're seeing a lot of our peers taking sort of 18 months to do studies. Um, so, you know, if, if that's the benchmark uh, for how long it's going to take us, you know, I hope you're adding this up because I'm uh, getting it. So, you know, we're talking six months. And so halfway through 2025, we start uh, maybe an 18-month study phase. So you're you at the end of 2026 and then you make a decision to proceed. And then, you know, you talked about construction, uh, design construction. Let's say that takes another 18 months. Then, you, then you're you know, halfway through 2028. Before you get into production, now, so so that's five, roughly five years away. Now, I could I could say to you, look, it's going to be quicker than that, but I know well, damn well, that I'll be uh, lying because simply there's just so many stages we need to do, and so many options we now understand about how we develop this project, and that's the I think that's the beauty of upgrade and elevate that we've got all these different options available to us uh, to to develop projects. Now, copies could become the center of gravity for the Namib area for us and we truck concentrate to there from other projects. Right. It could even bring concentrate from, you know, from Capri, for instance, which is, you know, north of Swakomont, hundred, probably probably uh two hundred kilometres by road uh away from from Copies. So great optionality, Andrew.
0: I think we have. Yeah, Marie, that's good. I appreciate you covering that because it gives everybody a, a bit of a flavor on what the plans are. And then, of course, you have those other options that if you're going to export, concentrate it in some form from the copies project, you know, obviously that would be potentially the fastest way to some form of production while the other stuff is happening concurrently. And of course, permitting's probably going to be a little simpler as well and these types of things. So, yeah, good information on that. I appreciate that. And why we're on the topic of upgrade. Got a couple of questions here, but talk a little bit more about that pilot plan initiative. I think we kind of have an idea where that falls into the schedule, but and also just with that, that that pilot plan will then really help prove up to the market that this process is indeed demonstrated and proven.
1: Yeah, let me just clarify one thing you said uh, the export from copies, export only internally into Namibia, no, so not exporting overseas. Um, but yeah, uh, of course, just in case people were thinking of else, something else. So the upgrade process, um, you know, it's using commonly used unit operations that you'd find, uh, in the gold based metal and mineral sands plants. And we've just configured them in an unconventional manner for uranium. So the unit operations that every metallurgist would know how to commission and operate. So it's, it's not a complicated technology, which is why we call it a process. It's simply, you know, using. You know unit processes that everybody knows how to use but we do feel that we need to prove uh the process with a pilot plan and, and one of the issues in a in a in the lab is you know because you're getting so much mass rejection through that you need to start with a lot of mass at the beginning so let's say if you're if you're working on a project like a gold project and you're going to do some leaching well, you just take the ore and you grind it and you do all these different conditions for leaching right 10 or 12 different conditions and you leach them and 48 hours later, you finish your leach and you get your results. What happens with us, we reject mass, you know, the first stage rejects 50% and then you reject another 10, another 20 and you reject. And so you, you, you're needing a lot more mass to start with to have that sort of one kilo test that say a gold gold um, uh, test work program would have for a leech. So it, that's the complexity of doing the lab test work. And we know that if you leave um, this material wet for too long, clay in it causes your problems. So we need to make sure we move through those processes quite quickly um, to get to the to the end point. So the the pilot plan is going to be very important because it gives us an an opportunity because this process is probably going to run for 30 minutes from the start to finish. Um, So you know it's 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 a great opportunity for us to demonstrate that it all fits together. And uh, I feel because I know because I'm the champion of the upgrade I, I know it so well. I know that if we leave you know even a filter cake that's a bit of moisture in it the clay starts to delaminate so we i think we're going to get better results in the pilot plant we're getting the, in the batch test simply because it's straight through clay hasn't got a chance to delaminate because it's such a short period of time we've got it wet and and the process is finished so it's a it's a and we've sort of contemplated how do you do the pilot plant? do you do you build a pilot plant, right? containerize it uh so then you can move it from project to project if you wanted to or Containerize it, have it in Australia, and then you pack it up and you go and store it somewhere uh, free for the next project, or do you just go to a commercial lab and say, right, I want you to build this power plant for me, um, and, and that what they they usually got all this equipment sitting around, so they can then configure it, and, and then we pay them to do so. So we've got a couple of options there. Do you do you run the power plant in Namibia? Do you run it in Australia? Well, if you containerized it, you've got the option to run it in Namibia, right? If you're just using a commercial lab. There's no commercial labs in Namibia that could do this sort of uh, pilot plan. So we have to work this that aspect of it out. Uh, and if you're doing it in Namibia, you need to take expertise over there with um, the upgrade process because we don't have any expertise in country at the moment uh, to run a pilot plan. So a few machinations around how to do it. And, uh, you know, this study phase is gonna be fleshing that out too. So the more I talk about it, Andrew, the more this study is is, you know, both integral into what we do going forward, but so many sort of options that we've got to
0: work through to understand
1: the best for the project and the company.
0: Well, looking forward to seeing that progress and looks like uh, obviously be needed first and foremost in Namibia with the copies project, probably to be the first major place. But with that, on the process, say what you can, of course, you're Maruv, but, you but know, we know that this has a substantial reduction in operational costs at the front end. One of the other things, and again, you, maybe you can speak to maybe client counter or, or what have you here, but are there more folks out there looking to test this or are testing it or have it even planned uh, for development projects, whether it's Australia, whether it's uh, Namibia or somewhere else, You know, just talk about that and perhaps why more partnering is not happening, or maybe it's just uh, confidential. Just a bit
1: more about the oars in Namibia. So the copies project uh, in our release um, back in November on or a month ago now, on the upgrade of resource, we put a a, um, map in there or a figure in there that shows the depth of the resource, depth of the uranium. 95% of the ore is within 15 metres or 45 feet of surface. So really, really shallow, right? Now, it's full of calcite, right, these calcrete ores, so you cannot leach them with acid because it's cost ineffective. You just can't do it. So then also in Namibia, the top three to four metres of the ore is got got sulphates in it, right? For for the Copies Project, the top three to four metres is about 25% of the ore. Shallowest, nearest surface, got got sulphate in it. The alternative to an acid leach is an alkali leach. An alkali leach is at 92 degrees Celsius, but sulphate consumes the alkali reagent. So for these ores in Namibia, the top three to four metres, you can't leach with acid and you can't leach with alkali. So as a consequence, that 25% of the ore is mineralised waste, for want of a better phrase, right? So it doesn't get processed. What the upgrade circuit process does, it rejects the calcite, right? It concentrates that into a beautiful 95% plus grade calcite, beautiful white colour, and we reject it. So hence, you can go to an acid leach. Now, an alkali leach, 92 degrees, acid leach, ambient temperature. And I'm talking degrees Celsius, sorry. Um, now, if you're going to an acid leach because you reject to the calcite, now, if there's any sulfate in the ore, right, and we reject about 80% of the sulfate, but if it's sulfate, it doesn't matter because it's going to a sulfuric acid leach. So that 25% of the ore comes back into the resource. So that's the other thing I didn't mention before, that adds to the resource size we initially went down you know when we developed the upgrade process I started with the company in May of 2012 the first week I was on board I was in the we collecting samples to do metallurgical test work uh, on the own, only project we had the Marroneka project so we did all the test work on it established that it worked for the Marroneka project and then thought gee, this can work for any concrete project so then so we put um, applied for for patents and we've Applied for three patents and all of those are granted, except the final one in one jurisdiction, but it's just ticking that box shortly. Um, so granted patents all around the world. And then we sort of looked, well, what do we do? Do we, do we market this and sell it to third parties? And we thought about that and we approached three different companies uh, that operate in Namibia. None of those are operating now. So if we'd gone down the path of saying, let's license it to other parties, we would have had no income, we've had to keep raising money on the promise that we're going to get something in the future. So what we did was we sat back and thought, hang on, this. well, let's get control of our own destiny. And that's when we started to build up land position in Namibia, the largest land position for nuclear fuels in the country now, and then also acquire these assets in Australia. An opportunistic time in sort of December of 2019, rain price sitting around the 20 bucks a pound, we paid four cents per pound for them. So, you know, a really cheap uh, acquisition. So then we sort of, okay, we're now less reliant on anybody using our process. And, you know, we're getting to the point now we've got so many good projects. Um, and it's interesting, someone talks to and said, oh, how's your project going? Or let's talk about your project. Well, okay, which one do you want to talk about? So we've got multiple projects, right? Across two jurisdictions, as you pointed out before. So we now are in the position where third parties that want to use Upgrade need us more than we need them, all right, so we're not excluding um, someone using Upgrade and licensing and you know, licensing to them, we're just not actively pursuing it, We're Andrew, we're so busy, you know, exploring in Namibia, I mean, we're drilling 75 holes a week with three rigs um, and getting some fantastic success, I mean, four discoveries in four years, um and the first discovery copies is now 48 million pound and growing so we've got so much work to do internally we're not even focused on on trying to do anything with the upgrade externally so uh, i hope that answers your question
0: yeah that'll work just fine i appreciate that and of course as you guys advance it here and test it out with a pilot facility i'm sure that there'll be more and more interest by then because you'd also be hopefully in an economic standpoint where there's more interest. And I think we're on the cusp of that interest where we are with the uranium price today, escalated and adjusted, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, $80 uranium is quite a bit different today than $80 uranium, uh, say 10 years ago or seven years ago, or even five years ago for that matter. So, and with the the package, uh, as you said there in Namibia, I believe you guys have the largest land package of any public or private company in Namibia. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on the private side, but definitely on the public side, I think that's correct. Yeah, um, definitely. For full, full Uranium, absolutely. With that there, obviously you guys, you know, you'd have enough work cut out for you for many, many years ahead. As the market progresses here and more interest comes into Namibia, which I think it will, is there a plan to have others maybe come in there and maybe look at some projects that are considered maybe non-core or just stuff you guys can't get to for potential partnership and JV? Just talk about that thinking.
1: Well, I've, in Namibia, you know, with, as I said, the copies project is within, you know, 95% within 15 metres of surface. So it's really, really shallow. Um, we're doing, we're drilling 75 holes a week. We, uh, the drill rigs stay on site on the weekend with the tents uh, where our people stay in, they go out Monday morning from the town of Swakopmund, and they start drilling and they drill their holes all week, come back into Swakopmund on a Friday night. So 75 holes a week. They're about twenty-eight meters deep, and sorry to talk metric for people that aren't familiar with metric. Um, and they cost us about a thousand bucks each, so it's inexpensive exploration, and, and it's been very effective for us. So just say the largest tenement position for nuclear fuels in Namibia by far, and and you know, five, four or five times um, some of the other peers we've got in terms of area. We have um, exploration potential on a lot of these tenements that we that we're looking to drill next year. Um, we've been sort of approached by people to say, you know, are you interested in a joint venture or a farming? Well, we can service the tenements we've got now with the cash we've got in the bank. So if it was really expensive drilling, um, and difficult exploration, yeah. So you might, but you know, everything we've got in Namibia is core, right? Uh, it's, you know, we're targeting shallow mineralization, secondary mineralization that we know is inexpensive to explore. Um, coming across to Australia, you know, we haven't done a lot of work on Australia over the time because when we, we acquired the assets in December of 2019, and that was just before the world went pretty crazy, uh, and we got all got locked down. Now, Perth, where I live and we're based, is the most isolated city in the world, based on its proximity to the next capital city. Now, our premier at the time made sure that we were the most isolated city because we couldn't travel anywhere. Um and you know, it took us two and a half years before we could actually get out to the Northern Territory where our uh, some of our primary assets are the Angela project and Minerva that I talked about before. So we could only just get out there more recently. We've gone out, um, you know, we've looked at a program. For instance, we were looking at a program at Minerva, and uh the geologist said, Look, it's what we want to drill these holes, four holes, it's gonna cost us about four hundred thousand dollars. And we went, I said, Well. That's good, We're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn, you know, how what the geology structure looks like and how we explore it. But you can drill four hundred holes in Namibia for that. What do you think we should do? So obviously our attention's been on Namibia because it's it's inexpensive exploration, and you know, four hundred holes in Namibia I think would be two discoveries um, comfortably. Uh, what we've done so far. So we're now with, with the money that we've just raised. We now want to go and do that work at Minerva, right? And we want to also do the drilling at. Um, at uh, Angela. And both of those assets are hundred percent owned and, and we don't see any value uh, for anybody doing a farming or a joint venture on it. We have the money to go and uh, to, to do the exploration now. So although some of our Australian assets uh, are non-core, you know, we're looking at a couple that, so so what's core for us is, is obviously shallow mineralization or mineralization that we can apply, upgrade to, to add value. Now, the Angela project, it's a sandstone hosted deposit. And you go, well, you can't really apply upgrade to that. No, we can't apply the full upgrade process. But when Cameco and Paladin had it in joint venture, you know, it's got 120 kilos per ton acid consumption. They didn't know what to do about it. We came along, um, do four lab tests, four bench scale tests, and we reduced the acid consumption by 80% just with our smarts around the upgrade process. Now, nobody, I would challenge anybody to to optimize. Uh, some lab tests with four, only four tests. So we know that we're going to improve that that 80% rejection. So we're adding significant value to that project through our, our smarts. Minerva, well, we can add value to that by drilling it. Right? And then we'll understand, we, we don't understand the geology. We don't understand the mineralogy yet. Uh, so we'll go and find out whether that is. But then, you know, we've got some uh, uh, joint venture um, tenements up in the top of the Northern Territory uh, they're non-core for us you know then we we know that we're not going to be able to apply any uh, smarts to those to add value. Um, so we, there's, we're just sorting through those um, with time and as you say there's a lot of interest coming back into uranium so you know some of these non-core assets outside of you know or straight non-core assets sorry we'll, we'll may look at offloading some of those and clearly we will be looking around for what we consider core assets to add to our portfolio. So we're always on the lookout. You know, we acquired uh, these assets at a low in the uranium price. So sort of, I've heard the word countercyclical used before. Uh, we were certainly doing that. Um, so we're still looking around uh, and some of the money we raised uh, could well go to some acquisitions. Uh, but yeah, there'll be some movement, uh, not in Namibia in terms of off our, uh, off our tenement list, Unless we don't find your only one of them, we'll move them off but, um, and, and just drop them. But in Australia, I think you'll probably find over time, there'll be some movements on and off our uh, asset register uh, based on the, sort of the, what we consider
0: core and non-core. Now, Murray, the Premier was making sure for your own well-being that you were locked in Perth for that long a time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you're not, not going to draw me into a conversation on that one. I can get in trouble talking <laughs> about that.
0: Good stuff there. So, you know, I think we get the gist that uh, the Australian stuff is potentially open, the book's open there perhaps, and and Namibia is obviously everything is core. And at this point, you know, in the cycle, it probably makes sense to, I guess, hoard or keep those properties because as you know, later in the cycle, there'll be more interest. And and so it probably does make sense just to hold on to all of those if you can carry them, which obviously you guys can, and perhaps even grow the package as uh, opportunistic events come up in Namibia. With that, I guess, just with Australia, we talked some of the plans there on some of the Australian projects. Is there any interest further, Murray, in Australia? You know, again, I know you guys are looking at various things and I'm sure people are coming to you to talk about Australia, but is there any interest in looking into South Australia for potential projects for the company?
1: Oh, look, we're looking everywhere in Australia. We're not excluded. Obviously, West Australia is a bit harder because our state government don't like uranium, right? Um, So you can't do much there. And if you do something, well, it's not gonna add much value to you. So yes, South Australia, Northern Territory, both uranium producing states and territories. So yeah, we're looking at both of those for potential uh, acquisitions, Um, because they are mining jurisdictions for uranium and they're allowed. So it's, uh, yeah, certainly somewhere we are looking.
0: Any other jurisdictions? I mean, obviously you're in two of what I see as four that are investable. Uh, any other jurisdictions that come to mind that you might have interest in if you don't mind sharing?
1: Most of the uranium deposits we're searching for are in semi-arid to arid regions around the world. Now it's pretty easy to get a map of the world and draw lines around where those areas are and you can look at them. I've been to West Texas, I had a look and yeah there's some uranium there but there's also a lot of nodding donkeys with the oil pipelines uh, running everywhere that you would have to negotiate um, and we sort of looked and thought well, yeah, could we make something of this we don't understand the jurisdiction as well as we understand Australia and Namibia. It's spreading ourselves too thin. You know, back then we had, you know, basically myself, uh, a CFO working part-time, we didn't have a geologist on the books and we're going, we don't, you know, we're a market cap of three or 5 million. Uh, now we're sitting at 130 million or something. So it was just going to be spreading ourselves too thin. Uh, and now you look back and you go, well, you know, us is probably quite an exciting place to be, uh, given that, um, you know the the geopolitical issues running around the world, and uh, you know the fact that Russia have you know 25 and 42 percent of the conversion and of uranium, and and they need you know and the US a reliance on probably I think 25 percent of their um, of the uranium going through that route to get into their fuel rods for their reactors. So yeah, it's potential, um, but still we'll be spreading us too thin, and we've got so much to do in Namibia and Australia. Uh, we think focusing on those two jurisdictions is the best thing for the company, um, and the opportuni- opportunistic things like the US, you know, we'll look at, but it, it is it is much more difficult for us to sort of spread our wings that far. And, and I think we we're doing a disservice to our shareholders potentially by not being able to focus on everything as much as we wanted to. Hence, we're just going to stay in these two jurisdictions.
0: Yeah, all these jurisdictions have, they all have their different types of challenges and two as it is quite a juggle in itself. So, well, Murray, any other comments uh, before we wrap up or maybe any comments on maybe specific things that have stood out to you this year with respect to maybe the broader industry without beating the macro too much to death, but, you know, just anything that you think maybe the audience should look out for going into 2024 and just any other comments before we wrap up.
1: Well, just ourselves. I mean, July 2019, I was uh, sitting in a, in a tent on site at Copies and we just filled, drilled our first hole. Uh, we hit uranium in it. We drilled the first six holes, and we hit uranium in all six. So um, we've come a long way from there. Um, you know, we had a market cap back then of three to five million. Uh, we then sort of brought a second rig on board for us uh, in July of last year. And then we increased the rigs by 50%, by adding another one in May of this year because we're realising that copies was getting so big. And, and we going, well, gee, we also need to explore elsewhere. So the development in the company and you know, in terms of personnel, I think 14 months ago, we had one geologist in Namibia. And we put the second one on about 13, 14 months ago. And we now got five geologists in Namibia, um, all locals. 12, 14 months ago, we had one geo in Perth. Now we've got three. So the growth has been quite quick. Uh, quite rapid, as you know, and most people know growing pains, you know, how many, when do you start putting on the next person? Is it, we have to be running at 120% capacity each? Or is it 100 or, you know, what is it? So we've done a lot of growth now to go from 20 million pound to 48 million pound and all of a sudden just go, right, we've got to take this project to the next level because the uranium price has gone from what, 50 to 80 in that last 12 months. And so we know that we've got to take copies forward. And hence, we also know that we need uh, exploration funds to go and do other work in Namibia. So really strong growth. So shareholders are seeing a, a, a huge baseload. Now, we're not aligned to the uranium price as much as we thought we might be. There's been a bit of a disconnect uh, over the last sort of four months in particular, uh, where the uranium price has gone up and our stock price hasn't gone up as well. Now, you know, when you talk to a few pundits, there's always a bit of a lag. Uh, the money's flowing into the Camecos, those larger companies, because when you look at it, the whole uranium sector around the world, so globally, has a lower combined market cap than the third largest iron ore producer in WA, Western Australia. But we provide 10% of the world's power. So, you know, it, it seems to be a very small number and hence the larger institutions can't get into these, can't get into companies like us because they're just too big. Their minimum investment, you know, 20 million or 50 million, some of them, um, so, it doesn't work for a lot of us smaller companies. So, there'll be flow in from the smaller institutions over time. So, we're expecting quite a quite so to re rate um, towards the, you know, and get back in aligned with the uranium price uh, as the sector heats up even more uh, than it currently has. But, yeah, look, it's 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 exciting time. Uh, you look back over, I'm just about to rack up 12 years with the company and having ridden the uranium price down post Fukushima and then sitting down at $18, $20 a pound and sort of thinking, where are we gonna go now? You know, that's where we started to acquire assets, uh, you know, and moving up. So we've built a really, really solid base of ground position in Namibia. Uh, discoveries there now, uh, sort of assets in Australia. We, um, I think we're in a very, very good position to ride this Uranium price uh, run. and you know, as you say, $80 a pound now is very different to $80 a pound five, 10 years ago. Uh, you know, I've heard some, some of our peers come out and say, three years ago, they were gonna develop a project at 65 bucks a pound. Well, it's now 80 and nobody's moved. So, you know, obviously uh, costs have, uh, have moved up. Um, you know, we know inflation's hitting pretty hard, but certainly I'm, I'm expecting $100 a pound comfortably next year. Uh, I've heard some pundits in various places. I just did a road show uh, through Sydney at conference uh, in end of or start of November went across to Namibia for two weeks and then went up to London for another conference uh, to meet uh, potential investors there and one person said to me don't talk to me about the uranium metrics uh, it's going to $500 a pound and I've gone oh how do you respond to that so he had a fairly strong view that, that uranium is going to go go berserk now um, we know that you know if, in, if um, projects aren't coming online at $80 a pound and the only way to incentivize uh, production to meet the demand, and the demand is the gap between supply and demand is getting bigger and bigger by the week. Then we have to get a higher commodity price to incentive, incentivize production. So we think, um, you know, within the company, the uranium price is going to be over $100 a pound. I think it's going to probably be in excess of $200. If you listen to that bloke, well, yeah, fantastic, um, so we get to 500 it But so we're going to see a higher uranium price. So if you're jumping on board as an investor now. Into the uranium sector, um, I think you need to look around for who is we're all we're all I mean all boats will float in a rising tide, right? All of us, right? But then you want to look for companies that have a really strong base and a strong asset portfolio that stand out from the peers because that's that's you know we know some of our peers with a single project sitting there waiting for the uranium price to move. Well, where's the value add apart from uranium price for them? We've got value added in uranium price, but so you look at our history of four discoveries in four years. You know, the first discovery now forty-eight million pound and growing. So, I think from an from a um, investment perspective, uh, I, I think Elevate Uranium is in a pretty good position, um, and and I think we're going to see a, a re-rating of our of our stock price um, through this sort of study phase and into proving upgrade, but also through a, a additional exploration and and resource growth uh, through next year. So, it's an exciting time to be uh, at the helm of a company like this, Andrew. I'm, that's probably why I put the six hundred and twelve thousand dollars in last month
0: yeah it's an interesting one uh certainly I agree that the price is headed higher it's a little hard to put math behind the 500 take but uh, <laughs> you know hey we'll we'll take it if we see it but uh, certainly That's it's right. a little hard to put a model behind but nonetheless we shall see what happens here and of course, not concerned with the lag with respect to the juniors. I think that that gets resolved in due course. And this is not going to be a straight shot higher either. Uh, Sadly, I think the the broad market has a few things to say about straight shots higher. And so I think we'll also see some challenges there just coming from the broad market that, of course, spills into this uh, environment. But yeah, very excited here to see uh, the next steps here on this. And uh, It doesn't hurt to put a couple twin diesels behind some of those boats that are floating. Uh, That'll certainly (laughs) help out. So, well, Murray, to wrap up just one more time here, just a, a quick shot for potential investors who are listening in, the company does have a market capitalization of about 150 million Australian dollars. Why should Elevate Uranium be considered within the institutional family office and retail investors portfolio?
1: Well, simply because we're in the uranium sector and we know that, as you say, the uranium price is going to continue to move north to incentivize production. Uh, but, you know, we've got uh, a large land portfolio in Namibia. We've got four discoveries. The first of those is £48 million pound and growing. Uh, so we've got a history of exploration success, right? And we've got more exploration uh, to do next year on, on tenements that have come onto to our uh, asset register. And we've got this upgrade process that that not only gives us um, a lower cost base to develop these projects, but gives us optionality uh, as to how we uh, develop what the pathway looks like in terms of, you know, do you produce, you allocate yourself or take it to a third party, so, and bringing our projects closer together. So it means that we can develop smaller, lower grade projects in our peers, uh, simply because we've got this process. Uh, and then of course, we're in two jurisdictions, as you say, two of the sort of uh, top four producing uh, your own jurisdictions in the world, uh, and we've got potential growth from exploration in Australia and value add uh, through the application of the upgrade process or part thereof. And you know, it's a great time to do a bit of M uh, and A activity. And you know, we're always looking at how we can add value. But certainly, the best value for investors is is a company that's got success in exploration and still more exploration to do, converting those exploration projects into the resources which we're working on now. Have done it, you know, particularly at Copies, as an example of what we can do. So, you're yeah, in a very good position uh, for investors to ride, uh, ride this boat, as you say, with a couple of twin turbos on the back of it.
0: And, Murray, what is the best way for folks to
1: contact the company? Look, I've got an email address, um, murray.hill at elevateuranium.com.au. I answer everybody's email, you know, and also Zoom calls if I need to, uh, phone calls. Yeah. So it's just a matter of sending me an email. Uh, If you're in the same jurisdiction as me, then you can make a phone call, a little bit of time difference to the US. Um, So we tend to, you know, have less phone calls over there and more email communication, but it's not stopping me sort of getting on a call at nine o'clock at night. And when it's nine o'clock in in the morning in the parts of the US, then we'll do so. So I'm happy to field any questions.
0: As they say, the office is open 24 seven in this sector, especially when you're dealing with all these different time zones yeah well murray thank you for the time today and we'll expect you to come back in 2024 appreciate it keep up the good work and we'll uh, be talking soon
1: thanks randrew and uh yeah i look forward to 2024 it's going to be an exciting year